tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. And, um, and so the greatest example we have in Scripture of how to live by Bible principle, I believe, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So let's take a few moments. We're going to read just a few verses here, and then we'll get into the message this evening. In Luke chapter number 4, verse number 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil, taking him up into an high play, high mountain, showed him unto all the unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. And if thou therefore wilt worship me, all all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast down thyself, cast thyself down from hence, and it is, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Father, we come to you, and I pray that you'll bless as we finish the study of living by Bible principle. And, Lord, use it to strengthen our walk with you, to help us to be more of what we ought to be as a Christian. Use it to build our lives. And then, Lord, I ask that uh, you would allow your Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts and our lives this evening and uh, that you would clear the way and not allow there to be any kind of distraction or thing that would hinder or quench the Holy Spirit, that you would put aside all thoughts and things that may uh, cause uh, the Holy Spirit to be quenched in our hearts and in our lives. And so I pray that you would do that this evening and that you would move with power and help us to grow uh, spiritually into what you would want us to be and that you would draw us closer to you. And then, Lord, in the few moments as we have... Uh, time to discuss some business matters with the church. I pray that you would give your guidance, make your will very clear and plain to us. And, Father, that we would uh, follow exactly what you would want done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we dealt with several things about how to find these Bible principles. We dealt with 1 Corinthians chapter 6 last time that said, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. And uh, we pulled a principle from that and uh, put it into application by putting it in the form of a question. And so uh, one of the questions we could ask ourselves when we have a decision to make is, is this expedient? We know it's lawful. Uh, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. Amen for that. And uh, so we're not under the law anymore. So we know that it's lawful to us. But is it expedient? Uh, there was a practice in the Old Testament that you were not supposed to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols, and it was uh, thought to be a, uh, something that was wrong and not to be done. And yet in the New Testament, Paul knew that he had grace to be able to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols, and it was not a hindrance. But he made a statement about this in Scripture, and he said, if eating this meat that's been sacrificed to idols is going to cause my brother to be offended, in other words, a weaker brother, perhaps somebody doesn't understand their liberty in Christ, 
If it's going to cause them to stumble, then I won't eat meat. Now, it wasn't a right or wrong issue. It was a matter of expediency. It's a matter of, is this appropriate? Is it giving him the home field or home court advantage in the Christian life? And uh, so you see how these questions can guide our lives. And I think it's very important that we understand that the more we can develop principles based on Scripture to live our life by, the easier our decision-making becomes. And I don't know if you've ever sat and and sweated over, Lord, am I making the right choice or not? Uh, There's a lot of times, if we have these Bible principles nailed down, that uh, a lot of times our decisions are made for us, aren't they? Uh, We can ask just one or two quick questions that line us up with the Scriptures and measures what we're getting ready to do against Scripture. And it pretty well can tell us, yes, we ought to do this or no, we ought not to do this. And uh, I love, I love, and I was sharing with the, the teenagers this morning in Sunday school, I love uh, in Daniel, uh, we have a bunch of young people that were carried off into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And you have Daniel, and then you have Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, uh, who were later known in their Babylonian names as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these four fellas took a stand for the Lord, didn't they? And uh, Daniel took a stand and, and would not bow the knee to the king or ask the king or petition to the king. And he went to the lion's den for it. The other three fellows would not bow to the golden image uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had raised up. And so Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the fiery furnace. And you have that great, great story of the fourth man in the fire with him. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, it's a great, exciting story to read. But one of the things you'll find in Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 is Daniel is given the opportunity to come to the king's table and to be fattened up with the king's meats and, and to drink of the king's wine and... Uh, he's away from home, so he's away from mom and dad. He's away from uh, his spiritual mentors, if you will, the, the priests of the temple in Jerusalem. He's away from uh, the king. He's away from those that would socially look down on him if he, if he uh, departed from the, the traditions of the day or the law of the day for the children of Israel. And Daniel could have done anything he wanted to do. Daniel was allowed to do anything in Babylon. Wasn't he? And he could have gotten by and had the mindset that, well, nobody will know. My parents aren't going to know. Uh, my preacher's not going to know. My king's not going to know. Nobody's going to know. I'm over here in Babylon. How's anybody ever going to find out? But Daniel knew that God saw him. And so the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel, chapter number one, that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. And so Daniel had had some principles put into his life somewhere in a young age that said, Daniel, no matter what, these are the things that you will live by. And Daniel said, those are my principles. I'm going to follow after God and God alone. And so when it came time for Daniel to make the decision, it was no decision at all, was it? He went to the the, uh, prince, uh, the, the uh, head of the eunuchs and said, uh, fella, listen, I'm not going to eat of this meat. And the, the, unit, the, the guy who was in charge of him was, was worried about this, that, man, this is going to be my head at, at the stake if you guys aren't what you ought to be in front of the king. And Daniel put him to the test, and God honored it, didn't he? God honored it. And by the way, he always honors when we live by Bible principle. We may pay a price, but he always honors it. And so uh, we learn this thing about Bible principle. Is it expedient? And then does it cause me uh, to come under its power? We found that all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, the second part of that verse. 
And so we ask the second principle, does it cause me to be brought under its power? Is there anything that has control over my life? And if it does, does it have a right to control me? Let me ask you this. As a child of God, what should, what or who should be controlling us? Say it. God should be controlling us, right? And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Deals with the topic that as a man is controlled by the, the wine or the alcohol in, in, in uh, drink, that's the way we ought to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Where we give up complete control to Him, we say, you have full control of my life. And we do that by principle. So if we allow something else to have power over us, then in that area of our life, we're saying, Holy Spirit, you don't have power over us. You don't have leadership in that area of my life. That's for me. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. So we look at these things. I'm going to give you a handful of verses, and uh, you can go to them. These are easy ones to find Bible principles in. So I'll give you a handful of them, and uh, you can take some time this week to sit down with a notebook and maybe write some of these principles out. And then you'll kind of get the idea, hopefully, from that, uh, what you're looking for. As you go to Scripture, as you're reading through passages, you'll stumble on a verse and you'll be like, ha-ha, there's a Bible principle right there, and I need to put that into practice in my life. So let me give you several of them here real quick. First of all, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Very similar to the one we dealt with last, year, last week, two weeks ago. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And so we deal with the issue of edification in this point, and there's a principle in there about that. All right, Psalm 11.5. Psalm 11.5, and that one will be a pretty simple one to, to find. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. Now, you can find a ton of Bible principles in First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 22, or you can roll them all into one. And uh, make one overwhelming umbrella principle about it. Tremendous principle of Scripture. And by the way, if we only gain three or four of these and put them into practice this year in our lives, it'll change our life. It'll change the way we live. And then with the goal next year, hopefully God will give me three or four more that I can really work on in my life to implement them into my life. And uh, continually be growing. All right. First um, John chapter 2, verse number 15. I'm not going to read all these. I'm just going to give them to you and you can... Take some time to look at them. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse number 7. And uh, dealing with taking the Lord's name in vain. In fact, you could go through all ten of the Ten Commandments, couldn't you? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 3. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 3. Great verse of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 4. Dealing with humility. Philippians 2, 4. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 12. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 12. Psalm 119, verse 10. Psalm 119 and verse 10. And if you miss some of these, I think David's recording them. You can get the CD and listen to it again. It'll be fine. Psalm 1, 1. In fact, the entire chapter of Psalm 1, you could probably get 20 or 30 principles out of that chapter if you wanted to take it as a whole chapter. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, 
I've got 10 or 12 more here. I'm not going to give all of those to you. But I just wanted you to have a few that are going to be easy to get started. If you're not in the habit of forming or building Bible principles for your life to live by, these are some that will be a, a kind of a beginner uh, thing for you to kind of get involved in it. Get in there, write down a principle, put it in the form of a question that you can apply to your life, and let God do what he's going to do in this area of living by Bible principle. Now, we're going to finish up the series with this. What areas do we apply these in? And I'll tell you this, it's real simple and easy for me to simply say uh, we can do it in, uh, in all areas of our life. Isn't that easy for us to say? The truth of the matter is and we, could, we could just make that statement in the message and we will have included it. <clears throat> these ought to affect all areas of our life. However, we're going to give you a list of areas of our lives that uh, because sometimes when we look at it all inclusively like that, there's some area that we may not, it may not strike the nerve to us. We, we may push it to a back burner and a back corner and not even realize that we're not applying those principles to that area of our life. Yes, ma'am. The First Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Great verse. All right, so let's look at areas of application. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23, and keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture, and then we'll get into our business meeting and and be done in a timely manner tonight. Proverbs chapter 4, and verse number 23. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence... For out of it are the issues of life. And so one of the first places that we need to make sure that we're applying these principles to is the area of our attitude. And I'm going to uh, alliterate these. All of them are going to start with the letter A. It'll make it a little easier for us to remember them. But our attitude, our attitude, dealing with the heart of the issue. And by the way, uh, that's kind of the most critical part of our lives usually, isn't it? Our attitude about things. How much we love God will determine many times how we act and the things that we do outside of our bodies. And it all stems from the heart. So the Bible says in verse number 23, keep thy heart with all diligence. I mean, this ought to be something we work at, that we focus on. Keep it with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So every other part of our life is going to hinge around this heart matter, this attitude, if you will. And so all of these principles ought to apply to our attitude. By the way, let me just stop and say this. God teaches real clear in Scripture that the commands of God and His precepts and His uh, law, those things are not grievous to us. Those are things that if our relationship with Him is right, are things that we love and that we enjoy. If you don't believe me, read Psalm 119 in one sitting out loud and notice notice how many times David makes reference to the fact I love thy precepts I love thy law I love thy uh, testimonies I love thy word and he goes on and on and on through Psalm 119 about how much he loves the precepts and the commandments of God and um, the law of God and the word of God our attitude makes a big difference all right Uh, secondly our actions our actions. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. These principles ought to apply to our actions, the things that we do. How do we treat people? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 31. 
Whether therefore ye eat or drink, do all to the what? Glory of God. We know the verse and we know it well. But so many times it's easy for us to know the verse. It's so hard for us to practice the verse, isn't it? So the actions that we do, the things that we get involved in, ought to be dictated by Bible principles. So the next time we want to act, or let me put it this way, the next time we may be in a position to react, let's stop and think through a few Bible principles and say, is this the way that as a Christian I ought to be acting based on the principles of God's Word? Again, not by what's acceptable. If we go by what's acceptable, we can act however we want, can't we? If we go by what the society says is acceptable actions, we can be deviant and it would be acceptable, wouldn't it, in the world that we live in? So we don't want to go by the things that we're allowed to do. We want to do them based on what God's Word says. All right, number three, our acquaintances. This is a tough one. This is one that most of the time we don't give a thought about God's principles dictating to us or controlling our acquaintances. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And again, just giving you some simple Bible principles here quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33. Paul says, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt. And we could stop right there, but it goes on to say good manners. Evil communications Corrupt good manners. Now, this English word, communications, is a very unique word. In fact, this is the only time in Scripture that this particular word in the original was translated into the English word, communications. But it literally meant the companions that you associate with. Those that you're around. Um, to give you an idea of it, Psalm, 100, or Psalm 1 deals with this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Those would be companions. Nor sitteth in the seat of, or, I'm sorry, uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And so we find these companionships are a negative thing to the blessed man, aren't they? So here Paul is trying to reiterate this fact, and he's saying uh, if we deal with uh, evil communications, if we have companions that are not helping us draw closer to God, Can we put it that way tonight? Can we be in agreement with that? Those that would draw our hearts and our affections and our actions away from God. They corrupt good manners. And so we ought to have Bible principles that tells us who our companions ought to be. Now, I'm not saying you don't be friendly to everybody. You be friendly to everybody. But you cannot be friends with everybody. Do you see the difference between them? One of them is I'm going to smile and I'm going to pray for him and I'm going to uh, shake hands across the fence to my neighbor, even if it's somebody that doesn't believe in God and and, uh, is involved in things in his life that I'm not involved in in my life. I'm going to be very kind to him. I'm going to show him the love of God. But if he asks me to come over for a beer party later tonight, I'm not doing that. You see the difference between friendship, being friendly, and being a friend. We want to be friendly to everyone. But we must be careful and have discernment when it comes to the acquaintances that we have in our life. This is so important in young people's lives. And we could all nod in agreement that, yes, acquaintances uh, create peer pressure that cause young people to make poor decisions many times. 
But we do not outgrow that as we get older. There are circumstances, I promise you, that if we thought long and hard enough about it, there are times in our lives that we can think of trying not to hurt somebody's feelings, and so we go along with something that we know is contrary to Scripture because of an acquaintance that we had. We don't want to be offensive to them. We don't have to be offensive to them, but we must live by Bible principle. If living by Bible principle offends them, then we're not the one offending them. They're offended by the fact that they're seeing the light of God in us. We're not trying to go out and be all ugly or upset at people. We're trying to be very friendly to those people. But we must be careful who our acquaintances are. All right, moving on. Our amusements. Our amusements. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2. Again, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Most of you probably have this one memorized. 1 John chapter number 2. And verse number 15, love not the, what's the next word? World, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let me ask you a question. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan, who is, the, who is the one that is the ruler of this world for the time being? And aren't you glad we can say for the time being? Because sooner or later, God's going to come and he's going to set his foot on Mount Zion and he is going to rule this world. But until then, Satan's the ruler of this world, isn't he? Why in the world would a Christian have any business loving the things of this world? Paul said it this way, I count them but loss, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Our affections, our amusements. Let's move on. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, again, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Most of this is not new. It's just things sometimes that we need to be reminded of. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we just got done uh, studying this chapter, and verse number 15, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's very, very important that we are careful in the area of our academics. And I use that word, academics. What is it that we put in through the eye gate and the ear gate? What is it that we absorb in? We must be careful. Can I tell you this? Satan loves nothing more than to go into the harvest and sow tares among the wheat. And Satan loves nothing more than to get somebody who becomes very popular that is a wolf in sheep's clothing when it comes to the things of God or the Word of God. And there will be people that will stand and say, listen, I'm a great preacher or I'm a great Bible teacher. And people will flock to him by thousands many times. And yet they will not teach the word of God or they will not preach the truth of the word of God. And let me just say this. You've got to be so discerning in this. I know we're sometimes spiritually, we're sometimes naive. To think that anybody that names the name of Christ, that has a crowd that's following them, must be of necessity of God. But can I tell you this? The Bible says that in the last days there will be false teachers. And they will, there will be people that will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
And the Bible says of such, turn away. Be careful what we're reading, what we're watching, and what we're hearing. Lot was a just man. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. He was a man of character. He was a man that was a godly and a God-fearing man until he pitched his tent towards Sodom. The Bible even refers to him as just Lot. But the Bible says that in seeing and in hearing, he vexed his righteous soul. Can I tell you one of the, or two of the most contaminating things that Satan uses to the life of a believer is what they see and what they hear. What comes through that eye gate and what comes through that ear gate. Therefore, be careful what you read. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you watch. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom, will they? We must have discernment. Bible principles will help us understand and have that discernment. Bible principles will help us when it comes to this area of our academics, what we're feeding our minds. We gave some books away today. They're all good books. I looked through them. There's nothing in there that I would question or that I'd be sitting there thinking, boy, I just don't know if that's a good thing to give to our people. If I did, I'd have thrown it in the trash can. Now, I'm not saying that there's not books out there that have some good stuff in it. And they may be wrong in some other areas. But I will say this, especially if we don't have discernment, we have no business reading those books. Because Satan will use them to sway us from the truth. Paul said, though an angel from heaven speak any other doctrine than that which you have heard of me, let him be accursed. Doesn't matter if an angel appeared to you and taught you some doctrine different from Scripture. Paul said, let him be accursed. And so we've got to be careful of these things. We must measure what is taught and that we take in, especially as Bible teaching. We must measure it against Scripture. We must know that for a fact. All right, uh, the area of our affections, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 2. Our affections, it ought to be applied to our affections. And Colossians chapter 3, verse number 2 just simply says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And so we're to uh, count things that we are affectionate about as the things of the Lord. The things that pertain to God ought to be what we set our affections on. Those are the things we ought to love. We ought to love church. Amen. We ought to love reading the Bible. We ought to love our prayer time and devotion time. Not dread it. Oh, here we go again. I've got to spend my five minutes with the Lord today. No, we ought to love it. We ought to love the fellowship of God's people. We ought to love worship. And we ought to love singing and music that is Christ-honoring. The Bible teaches very, very clearly in two different passages, in the book of Ephesians and again in Colossians. And you, you can check me out. And, and the, the, but two different times, it deals with the subject of being filled with the Spirit. And it says immediately afterwards, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. We ought to be affectionate for those things. And so make sure that we're uh, being careful of where our affections are. Does that mean we can't have a hobby? No, that's not what we're saying here. But what is it that we spend the majority of our time doing? Would you agree with me on this, that we find the time to do what we want to do? Would you agree with me on that? I'll tell you this. If I want to do something, I'm going to find the time to do it. If I really want to. 
So let's take a minute and do some introspection on it. Let's look inside for a minute. What is it in a week's time that we spend most of our time doing? And that will tell us where our affections are. It's not for me to judge. I'm just giving that out there to show you that sometimes we don't even realize we're not applying these principles to that area of our life. We just go through life, same as we've done every other day, with no change, no progress, no growth in the Christian life, and scratch our heads and wonder why we're sitting in such a dry, stale Christianity. Can I tell you this? The Christian life is vibrant. It's alive. It's growing. It ought to be something we pursue and press toward the mark for every single day. And then the last one, we need to be careful of our time, the allocation of our time. These principles must be applied to the allocation of our time. How much of our time ought to belong to the Lord? All of it. All of it. He has entrusted us to be stewards, not just of the material things that he's given to us, but do you realize that that every one of us has a fixed and a limited amount of time on this earth? Do we all understand that? He has entrusted a certain amount of time. We don't know how much that time is. It might be tonight for some of us. It might be next week for some of us. It might be ten years from now for some of us. But we are as much held accountable for stewardship of our time as we are anything that God gives us materially. In fact, the Bible says it this way, that one day we will give an account for every idle word that's spoken. We'll have to give an answer for it. The Bible speaks of the fact that we are to redeem the time. The word redeem is an interesting choice of words from the Holy Spirit when he was inspiring that verse to be written. Redeeming, it means literally to buy it back. Redeem that time. Buy it back. It's quickly fleeting away from us. Let's rescue. Let's grab it back and say, I'm going to make sure I use this time for something that is Christ-honoring. So the simple answer, how do we or where do we apply these things in our lives? We apply it to our whole life, don't we? But I wanted to bring out certain points of our lives because so many times there's an area that we do not even realize. I don't use Bible principles in that area of my life. And I don't know, I hope some of this has been a help to you the last, we've spent three weeks on it now. And going forward from this point on, hopefully we'll take some of this and we'll start learning Bible principles and saying, okay, I want that to be a part of my life. I want to affect these areas, all of them. It's amazing how often God convicts us of things and and He does it in my life all the time. And it's amazing to me how many times that I will have thought in my heart of hearts that I had fully yielded that area to God. And He'll bring something to light. He has a way of doing it, doesn't He? He puts His finger right on the nerve and it hurts when He does. And we kind of gulp. Look like a kid who got caught with his hand in the cookie jar and realized, Lord, I gave you almost every area of my life in that area. But I kept some of it for myself. And I'll tell you this, daily he shows me things. And I hope daily he shows you things. And that's the joy of the Christian life, isn't it? I mean, we don't like the chasing. We don't like the reproving. We don't like the correcting that much, do we? Our old pride nature doesn't like it. But you know what I'm joyed, You know what I'm overjoyed with in that area? That God is still working in my life. I love the fact that He's still working in my life. 
I'm not what I should be for God. But praise God, I'm still being worked on. I may not be, I'm not, I'm not what I used to be, I'm glad of that. I may not be what I ought to be, but praise God, one day I will. One day God's going to perfect us. Until then, let's press toward that mark. Let's strive for it. Let's say, I'm going to live my life by Bible principle. If there comes a time in my life where I'm put to the test, I'm going to say, I'm going to live by Bible principle. We come all the way back to Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, three different times, the Bible gives record of this. The first thing that Satan record, or that the Holy Spirit records in Scripture that Satan dealt with him on was appealing to his flesh. He was hungry, been hungry for 40 days. Tells him to take the bread, turn it into stone. Or take the stones and turn it into bread, I'm sorry. That would have been something to see him take bread and turn it into stone. The second thing that he dealt with dealt with his spirit, his, his spirit, his inner man. As he appealed to the fact, to, and, and this was appalling to me to see that Satan did this, but he went to the Lord Jesus Christ himself and tried to tempt him in who was going to be his Lord. Was God going to have full control over the Lord Jesus Christ in his fleshly form, his human form, or was he going to give that over to Satan and worship Satan? So he deals with his flesh, he deals with his spirit, and then you'll find lastly that he talks about the fact that your father said you could not dash your foot against the stone, that he'll keep the angels and give them charge over thee. Why don't you test him out and see? And he appealed to Christ's emotions. He began to question, does the father truly love you and really honor his word at what he said he would do? And isn't Satan so subtle? Because those are the three areas of man. Our body, our soul, and our spirit, which is the seat of the emotions. And he attacks all three, doesn't he? He tries to get us every time we can. And that's how God could say he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. There's not a temptation that comes our way that we can say, God, I couldn't resist it. Because he can turn right around and say, you can, because I did. I hope we learn to live by Bible principle. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? (laughs) Not in this life. But we ought to strive for it, shouldn't we? Not arrogantly, not looking down our nose at other people. But because we want to please and honor our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be as much like him as we can possibly be. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word and what it teaches. I pray that as we leave here tonight, and we've had notes now for several weeks on living by Bible principle, I pray that you'll help us to take those to refresh our minds on them. If we've missed a week, Lord, help us to get the CDs and be able to listen to them and and put principles from your word into practice in our lives. Lord, it's amazing to me how many times my life and my spiritual life grows cold and stagnant, and I don't feel like there's much growth going on. The truth of the matter is, I think if we go around the room tonight, most of us could say there's been times in our lives that that's happened. Lord, may we pursue and press toward that mark, that we would be seeking to grow more into what you would want us to be each and every day of our lives. That as you polish us and as we were refined in the refiner's fire, 
that more and more of your reflection and your image can be seen in us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to honor and glorify you in every aspect of our life as much as is humanly possible. And Lord, we look forward to that great day when we will be perfected. When these things won't have to be a battle anymore, they'll just be part of who we are. And we thank you for the great joy that we have in knowing that one day we can be just like you. One day we can have our hearts in tune with you just the way they ought to be. So, Father, help us in this life to do all that we can to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.